Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, Moses told the people, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on Him? Well, good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. And I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weekday at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. And I am sitting across the table this morning from my wife, Debbie. And uh, Debbie, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, Top of the morning to you. Well, I appreciate that. You might want to pull up your mic a little bit. There, oh, okay. There you there, go. Is that better? Yes. Okay. And we, we want to talk this morning about the topic of prayer. Uh, God is a God who answers prayer. He says in the book of <laughs> Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Uh, God is ready to answer us, but are we ready to call? And so for most of us, prayer is something that we need a lot of help with. It's something that is easy to do. A child can do it, but it's hard to do because the devil fights us uh, to keep us off our knees. Right. And I think it's important to remember that um, we're commanded to do it. And so um, in Ephesians 6.18, it says this, and pray, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so we're commanded to do it. And like you said, Jeff, it can be, it, it's a simple, simple thing in that a, a young child can do it. And I think too often as adults, we maybe try and make it just too complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but it is, we do have an enemy out there who does not want us to be in prayer because he knows that it's a source of power for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he wants to distract us. He wants us to feel that it's a waste of time, that it's not getting any higher than the ceiling, that it's not going to make any difference. You know, he, he wants us to think all the things, maybe condemn us that we're not doing it enough. We're not doing it correctly. I mean, there's just all kind of ways that he can come in and really trip us up in this area. But it is a significant part of being disciplined in the Christian life and disciplining yourself for prayer because there are times when you don't feel like doing it. Well, that doesn't mean you don't do it. You know, there's times when as a young mom, you don't feel like changing a dirty diaper, but you have to change it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's, there's a disciplined aspect to it as well as just a heart drive to participate in it. Well, I think most of us as, as believers, we would have an easy time if we could, you know, Every day throughout the day, go into a room and sit down with Jesus and we could see him. We could say, Lord, what about this? What about that? What about the other? And I'm struggling here and struggling there. I mean, we would avail ourselves to that often. Um, But because you don't see him um, and you don't necessarily hear him and God, from our perspective, God seems slow to answer us. Um, and he's not slow. He just, uh, I learned this, uh, I believe I don't ever, I didn't hear it in a sermon. I think the Lord just really dropped this in my heart one day. The purpose of prayer is not to get your prayers answered. The purpose of prayer is to draw near to God. And that's what he wants. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, <clears throat> as he says in the book of Psalms. 
or in the book of James, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in the book of James, James chapter 4, he says, you have not because you ask not, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives to spend it on your pleasures. And so we want to learn how to uh, to be motivated in prayer, knowing that God does. He, he draws near to us, as Moses said, what great nation has a God like ours uh, who who draws near to us when we call upon him. And uh, Jesus told in Luke 18 the parable of the, the widow that kept coming before the judge. And it, it prefaces this by saying he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, to not quit, to keep praying. Well, just to piggyback on something you said earlier, I think I think uh, it's so important for us to recognize that it's a significant difference between us praying to get God to answer us and us praying to get our will to be in line with his will. And and there was a great quote that um, I read recently from a missionary. His name was E. Stanley Jones. And it, the quote was this. He said, if I throw out a boat hook from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but it's aligning my will with the will of God. Mm. And I thought that was just such a a really, really great visual uh-huh. to help you understand that, you know, God is not our genie in the bo- bottle that we rub the lamp and he just does what we say. Prayer is getting our hearts in line with his heart. And so that when we pray, just like the Bible says, when we pray anything according to his will, he hears and he answers us. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that um, we we are are communicating with him in such a way that it's not um, demanding him to to bend to our will, but that our hearts are willing to be submissive to his will. Yeah, God doesn't do our will, uh, but he wants us to get in on his will. Right. And uh, his will has, has there's, there's uh, freedom in his will, so you can miss out on things that God wants to do in your life. He's not, 2 Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he doesn't force you to believe. Uh, what is the will of God? It's the will of God that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's what he wants from you. Uh, but he's not going to make you do that. And so you can miss out on the things that God has for you. I, I think about that verse, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, it's exactly what you said, Debbie. The word delight means to make yourself soft and pliable. And as we make ourselves soft and pliable in the hands of the Lord, who is the master potter, I'm the potter, you're the clay, as the scripture says, then we get to experience uh, God's working in our lives. He does give us the desires of our heart because our desires conform to his desires for us. Right. And I, I think you you mentioned something just a minute ago, too, about the truth element and I was reading in Psalm this morning, I was just trying to look through and see if I could find the exact verse that I was reading. You know, I'm not Mrs. Bible that's Psalm attached. Psalm 145. 
Is it 145? Or 147, you said. I don't know. I call upon the Lord in truth. In truth, yes. What verse is that, Mr. Bible? See if you can pull that up for us real quick. Real quick. But the, the, the point that really leaped out as I read those verses this morning in my quiet time was that we draw near to the Lord in truth. So we don't come with our own truth. We don't come with our own agenda of what is right, the way the world should be, the way things should be, that this shouldn't be considered sin, this should be okay. We That's not how we come to the Lord, because if we come to him like that, he doesn't draw near to us, because we have to draw near to him in truth. Yeah. Significant point. So Psalm 145, beginning in verse uh, 16, you open your hand and you satisfy the, the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. That's the that's it, Mr. That's Bible. You verse. found it. Psalm yes. 145, verse 18. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and uh, by loving kindness and truth, the scripture says iniquity is atoned for. And so everything, as we deal with God, you have to deal in truth. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Uh, we have a whole group of people, uh, more and more each day, that are wanting God to bend to their will, that are wanting to create a God in their own imagination. I want God to be like this, like that, like the other. God is not the God you want him to be. God is the God who is. Uh, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who uh, keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on, on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. That's who God is. And uh, I am who I am, the Lord told Moses at the burning bush. And so we come to the Lord uh, not uh, creating who we want him to be. We come to him as he is, and he is far greater than our minds can comprehend and far better than we could ever create in our minds. Well, and when we were teaching on this last week to the ladies, we talked about the fact that prayer is indeed something that's so simple yet it can be it can be so difficult and we can all we can um, find ourselves feeling very defeated like we just aren't measuring up in this area because I think for all of us we can say I can always pray more than what I'm praying sure right and so and um, we we have to be careful about that and and there's not other other than the Lord's Prayer being a, a model prayer something for us to model our prayers after mm-hmm. not necessarily just in in uh, in repetition repeat that prayer over mm-hmm. and over again but use that as a model for us we talked about five different elements um, of ways that we can just engage our minds and engage our hearts in prayer and the, the first one that we talked about was meditation and um, we talked about the fact that um, I, I was the one who taught on this point and it's like in our culture today meditation has a completely different connotation than biblical meditation is mm-hmm. you know and our culture tells us okay when you meditate you empty your mind you you repeat these mantras over and over you're sitting in a certain position you're mm-hmm. listening to this you know, uh, I don't know, new age music, whatever, whatever it may be. But that is not what it means when when the Bible tells us to meditate on God's word day and night. It's not to empty our mind, but it's to to fill our minds with the truth of the scripture. And um, 
I was thinking about that uh, story about in the New Testament, it was in Matthew, where it talks about the, the spirit, the evil spirit that has left the house and the house gets clean and the house gets put back in order. But when the spirits comes back and that house is empty, he goes and gets more evil spirits to bring back into the house. And so the the Christian idea of meditation is not that we empty our minds, mm-hmm. you know, because that can be the devil's playground when we empty our right. minds. But it's to fill our minds with the truth of God's word and to so to read his word and to meditate on it. And there in Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers instead his delight is in the lord's instructions and he meditates on it day and night and that word meditate means to mutter so to to mutter god's word back to him to repeat his words back to him to um, pray with your bible open and find some verses that really speak to your heart Mm -hmm. and to repeat those back to him in a personalized form Mm -hmm. Um, and, and i think that's just a really good habit to get into to do that especially when you're in a you're in a situation where maybe you don't feel like praying you don't know what to pray about you don't even really know how to get started in prayer um, or maybe after your minute and a half of prayer boom you're done you don't have anything else you know that you need to say to the Lord um, that's just a great a great thing to do and to be able to pray his word back to him because his word does not return void it is powerful and it is life-changing well the longest prayer in the Bible is in the book of Nehemiah and uh, if you read in Nehemiah, I think it's in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, yeah, the people confess their sins. And you'll find that Nehemiah repeats Scripture uh, in his prayer. And it, it is important to do that. And you'll find also, so I had quoted from Exodus chapter 34, uh, verses 6 and 7, where God says, this is who I am. You know, Moses, Lord, show me your glory. I pray if I found favor in your sight, uh, please show me your glory. And so the Lord says, I'll I'll show you my glory, but you'll see the backside of it. And his glory is who he is. The Lord, the Lord, uh, God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and kindness and truth. Now you'll find in the Old Testament especially, that phrase about God, those, those two verses about God are repeated over and over and over. Uh, Jonah talks about that. I knew you were a God who was gracious and merciful and slow to anger. And that's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew you were forgiving. All those those themes come out over and over and over again. And so that is the God that we worship. That is the God that we praise. And uh, God is not the God you want him to be. He is the God who he is. Uh, I am who I am, as he told Moses. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, along with my wife, Debbie, and we're talking about the subject of prayer. We'll be right back. Here's Rob West of Faith and Finance, heard here daily on American Family Radio. I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider investing in the ministry that you know as American Family Association. For over 40 years, American Family Association has been on the front lines in the battle for the future of our great nation. They continue to stand for the biblical principles America was founded upon. One way you can support AFA's efforts is through your estate planning. 
Why not explore the benefits of including AFA in your estate planning? You can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. Contact Riley Wildman and the team at the AFA Foundation today. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit afafoundation.net. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt, I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. (laughs) If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. This is Abraham Hamilton III with AFR, and we're sending Bibles to Asia. Here's Michael with Bible League International. Abraham, there is an incredible move of God right now in the region of Asia. This is where Christianity is growing fastest in the world, but at Bible League, now in our 85th year of ministry, we easily estimate that as many as 9 of 10 new believers in countries like China, Vietnam, and Malaysia have no access to the Bible. They live out their Christian faith in the day-to-day without being able to open God's precious Word and be reminded of His promises. But listeners, you've been incredibly kind to these brothers and sisters. Our goal is to bless 16,000 Bibleist believers. You've done that for 13,000. We're more than 80% there. We've been given just a little extra time to meet this goal. Would you pray about it today and would you get involved and send Bibles to Asia? $5 sends a Bible. That's only $5 for a Bible. $100 sends 20. $500 sends 100. You can give by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or visit sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with Debbie. We're talking about the subject of prayer. So Debbie, in Nehemiah 9, the longest prayer recorded in Scripture, it says this in verse 3, While they stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day, and for another fourth they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Now, when it comes to prayer, confession is a big part of prayer. We get our hearts right with God. And uh, you told the ladies last week as you were teaching our uh, Thursday Bible study for women uh, about confession. Right. And just how important it is to do that. And, you know, as as we spend time in God's word and as we meditate on his word, often things that are in our life that are not lining up with his word, the Holy Spirit will convict us about those things. And um, sometimes confession is very difficult to do because it takes a humbling. It takes a humbling of your heart to admit, hey, what I've done, it's not just that it was 
bad it, it was a sin it was wrong you mm-hmm. know um and and to humbly do that and our our pride can keep us from doing that um but if we don't confess our sins if we don't include that element of confession in our prayer we hinder our relationship with the Lord because it blocks our communication with him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know that there have been times in my life where I've just thought, you know, I, I don't I just don't sense God's nearness. I'm not hearing from him. And I have to always go back to, OK, Lord, there's something in me that is unconfessed, that is is creating this barrier between us reveal that to me and I'll get it right you know and sometimes he has brought something to mind and then other times he hasn't because sometimes those times that are dry we just have to push through those right Right. because those happen to everybody Um, but we talked quite a bit last week about the difference between confessing those sins of commission and of confessing the sins of omission and so, Jeff, why don't you elaborate on those just a little bit? Are you looking at me like, no, you want me to elaborate on that? Go ahead. You okay, I, about I it. am kind of seeming <laughs> to be on a little bit of roll with this this morning. But anyway, <laughs> the sins of commissions are those ones that you actively commit. Um, you know, you you. When you're doing them, you know that you're doing them, okay? And then there's sins of omission, and James 4, 17 talks about this. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. So it's sin can be not just something that you do that breaks God's law, but when it's something that you know you should do, but you don't do. Mm-hmm. And those to me can be harder to spot sometimes. The ones where it's like, okay, I've done this and I know this is wrong. I can recognize I can recognize those easier than I can, oh, you know, I should have God laid, God put that person on my heart. I should have called them and I didn't, mm-hmm. or I should have shared in this instance and I didn't. You know, um, those to me are more sometimes more hidden for lack of a better word. Yeah, it's uh, the sense of commission, the things that we do that we know are wrong. You know, the Bible talks about that in the book of Numbers, is sinning with a high hand. Those are dangerous sins. Those are sins that think about uh, a high hand. That's like shaking your fist in the face of God and say, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, that we don't want to do that. Uh, David prayed, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins, those high-handed sins. And as we grow in the Lord, we want to have a heart that's soft and tender toward him uh, to hear his voice and to do what he says. We want to please God. We don't want to displease God. I think that's one of the things that, uh, how do you know you're a Christian? It's because you have a heart that wants to listen, that wants to please him, that that wants to say, not my will, but yours be done. Well, and there's a, you have said this before from the pulpit multiple times, but that you can, you, you can and you do sin as a believer. I mean, because we're just all fallen, you know, we're sons of Adam, right? We're all fallen walking this planet. But as a believer, you don't get to sin and enjoy it anymore. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, when you when you um, have just some sin that you immediately think, oh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit convicts you of those things. And mm-hmm. so you're not 
at the point where you're just reveling in it well your heart becomes heavy right and so when you're when you're a christian the lord changes you You, if any man be in christ he's a new creation so your old nature the old person the person that's in adam so as in adam all die and as in christ all uh, so as in christ are all made alive so if you're in adam you've never been born again your nature is to sin you want to sin it's kind of like a pig in mud uh, if you were to able to talk to a pig as he's rolling around in the mud, would you? And you, he could talk back to you, and you'd say, "Pig, uh, do you realize you're in the mud?" Yes. Uh, do, do you want to get out of the mud? Don't you feel dirty? He said, "What, what do you mean, feel dirty? This is my nature. I love the mud." Um, but for a Christian, a Christian can fall in the mud, and uh, we can get stuck in the mud. But all the time, we feel dirty because that's not our nature. Uh, we have a new nature, and we our new nature wants to please the Lord and and to walk in a manner worthy of Him. Well, and the the wonderful promise in God's Word is in First John one nine that He promises that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, to forgive us. Yeah, and cleanse us. Yeah, yeah, and so that that's just such an incredible promise because so often if we have really uh, committed just a horrible sin there's so much shame involved in that 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 we can feel too shameful to even confess it because we just don't even want to talk about it and um but god's word promises that when we come to him in repentance we confess that he promises to forgive and you know there's that saying that we're only as sick as our secrets mm-hmm. and um, it that is so true because um, when we get those things out in the open God cleanses us and he makes us new and he refreshes us you have a great illustration about that in terms of when you cover your sin mm-hmm. share yes. that story so Proverbs 28 13 he who can can seals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion so it's kind of like the uh, the illustration of Achan Achan took things under the ban in Jericho Judges chapter uh, 7 he wasn't supposed to do that because the Lord said hey everything in Jericho belongs to me don't take any of it but he did he stole some some gold he stole a coat sold a, a wedge of silver and he takes them and he buries them in the ground in his tent Um, and so he covers his sin nobody sees well God saw because the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching in the evil and the good and so as he tried to conceal his transgressions God uncovered them and God revealed what he tried to conceal so when we try and cover our sin God uncovers it but here's the great thing about Proverbs 28 13 if we uncover our sin to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I did. We don't try and sugarcoat it. We don't try and put lipstick on a pig. Lord, this is what I did. It was terrible. It was awful. It was horrible. It was sin. It was selfishness. It was pride. All those things. And God, I ask you to forgive me. I want to confess it and I want to forsake it. And uh, then what does the Lord do with that sin? He covers it in his blood. He takes it away from us as far as the east is from the west. He buries it in the deepest sea. And as Corey Ten Boom said, then he posts a sign that says no fishing. And uh, God does not bring that up again. 
um, he forgives and he he forgets it in terms of uh, he's not going to hold it against you. God doesn't forget uh, our iniquities in terms of he, he has amnesia or he has Alzheimer's and he can't, oh, I didn't know you did that. He knows that we did that, but he doesn't remember them against us anymore. Yeah, what a freeing thing that is, right? Yeah, it's wonderful to know that. And and First John one nine, if we confess, the word confess means homologeo means to say the same thing. So we agree with God. What we did was sinful. If we will do that, agree with God about our sins, then He's faithful and righteous, or faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we don't, and in the world we live in today, especially in the church, you have people that call themselves Christians. Now they're adjective Christians. They're gay Christians. Uh, that's an oxymoron. Uh, you're either a Christian or you're not. You're either a saint or you you ain't. Uh, you you're not an adjective Christian. Well, I'm a a gay Christian. I'm a lesbian Christian. I'm a trans Christian. I'm a a thieving Christian. I'm an adulterous Christian. No, you're not because those you can't attach sin to the word Christian. So if um, if we say, as John says, First John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then he goes on to say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so these people that are trying to say it is good and right and fine and, and blessed of God uh, to, to attach sin to your personhood, whatever that sin might be, uh, they're deceiving themselves. They're calling God a liar. They're trying to move the boundary markers of morality to take away this idea of sin. Well, I can do that. It's not a sin. I can live with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. It's not a sin. Why? Because we love each other. So therefore, it's not a sin. Well, you make God a liar. His word is not in you. You're deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you. You are on a road that's going to lead uh, to everlasting hell. You need to repent, turn around, and put your faith and trust in the true God of Scripture. Well, and as we think about this whole idea of confession, it's when we wrap our mind around that verse in First John 1, 9 that he cleanses and he forgives and we've been made new and made fresh after we confess those sins that we have, that's when the next element of prayer really can take over, and that's the area of adoration. So it's meditation. That's part of prayer. Meditation, confession is part of prayer. But adoration is part of prayer. And to just see God for who he is and to thank him for those things. And, man, the Psalms are a great place uh, Right. to figure out some things to praise God about in terms of his character and who he is. But uh, we, we talked about the fact that um, we kind of posed this question to the ladies last week, and it's like, have, have you ever been just knocked breathless by something in nature that makes you just stand in awe of who God is? And uh, we talked about the difference between, <laughs> I, I know what you're thinking, yes. Shreve, I already know, yeah. uh, but we were talking about the difference between beach people and mountain people. Like some people see right. the vastness of the ocean and they're just overwhelmed by God's majesty and his power and his might. And then others see the majestic mountains and they're overwhelmed. And I did not share this story um, last week, but go ahead and share it. This is about when we were at SeaWorld. Sea uh-huh, yeah. yeah and you were Everyone watching, makes fun of mother. You were watching uh, the killer whales. Yes. 
And this was before we saw blackfish yeah, or whatever. Yeah, around well. But uh, you were just overwhelmed with these creatures that God made that are so huge and so smart yes. and can do all these things that you just were in tears. I was. I was. I just started crying, and I think it was Sarah. She was like, "Mom, what is wrong?" I was like, "I'm just so uh, so in awe of God creating these creatures." And you people made fun of me. <laughs> Y'all made fun of me the whole trip because of that. In, in fact, you still remember it all these years later. But, you know, that's okay. I have thick skin, so that's not a problem. But it, but it is so good to make adoration a part of your prayer every day. Well, and then, see, this is why, uh, as it says in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Those two things go hand in hand. So when you don't know what to pray, you pray back the word. And so the more time you spend in scripture, the more things uh, the Holy Spirit reveals to your heart to pray about. And uh, there are little phrases that can come up in scripture that just quicken your heart. It's like, wow, God is um, compassionate and gracious. Just that little bit about God. And as you come before the Lord, you say, Lord, I need to come and confess as we're talking about confession. And I thank you that you are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger and you're bounding in loving kindness and truth. God, I thank you that you forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. So every every component of our wickedness, God is able and will forgive if we confess our sins. If we don't, then he won't. So if we pull an Aiken and try and cover over our sins, then he's going to uncover it and it's not going to be pretty. But... When we do just come with a broken, humble, contrite heart before the Lord, honest about where we are, then God can do great and mighty things. And that's the other thing, too, Debbie, in prayer, is we have to be honest. Right. We don't just pray canned blah, blah, blah prayers like you're punching a button on a tape recorder or something and it's just you know that's how the that's how the pharisees prayed there jesus said you you honor me with your lips but your heart is far away from me uh teaching in vain the the doctrines of men and uh their worship was nothing because it it lacked heart and so remember this when you pray when you read uh engage your heart and it is far better to spend five minutes with the lord engaged in your heart than 50 minutes where your mind is wandering and you're just you're just reading words and they're just you know bouncing off your eyes well we talked also about the natural progression that comes from adoration like if we spend time recognizing god for his omniscience his holiness um his loving kindness, his grace, his mercy. I mean, the list goes on and on. But when we focus our hearts on that, uh, the the next element of prayer, which is submission, becomes really easy. Because when we realize how God loves us so much and what a good God he is, it's it's so much easier to submit to that kind of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the element of, of just not leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging Him in all of our ways and submitting to His will over our own will, that's just so important for us to do um, because that keeps us in good fellowship with Him and it keeps us just in an open text thread of communication with Him all day long. Well, God's ways are right concerning everything. God is all wise, all knowledgeable, 
uh, and God wants what's best for you and me. We would be foolish, and we are foolish, anytime we go our own way rather than to go His way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. God's way is the way of life. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, joined uh, by my wife, Debbie, and we're talking about the subject of prayer. When we come back, we're going to open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We would love to hear from you, so call in and let's talk. Hi, this is Todd Nettleton with the Voice of the Martyrs Radio inviting you to join us Friday, July 14th for the Hearts of Fire virtual event. You'll meet four courageous women who showed incredible commitment to Christ in the face of intense persecution. This special event is free. Here are these inspiring testimonies of costly faith, plus worship led by Michael W. Smith. You can watch from wherever you are. Register online at heartsevent.com. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God, and our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife, Debbie. We're talking about the subject of prayer. 
And our key verse is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. As Moses told the people, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it, as is the Lord our God, as is Yahweh our Elohim, whenever we call on Him. Whenever we call on Him in truth, the Lord is near. And Debbie, you were saying something about uh, the other element of prayer that we haven't discussed yet, which is petition. petition. Yeah, because we've talked about meditation, confession, adoration, and submission. And all of those things in conjunction together kind of prepare us to make us ready to be making our requests known, okay, to come before the Lord with our petitions. And um, one of the main ways that we that we do that is that we do that in the Spirit. There's a great verse in Romans 8, 26 and 27 that says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. I mean, well, I think we've all been there where we haven't known what to pray for. Right. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. This is important, in accordance with God's will. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when we pray like that, when we allow the Holy Spirit to be the one that kind of leads and guides our prayers, it empowers our prayers. We can know that we're praying in line with what God's word is and what his will is. And, you know, I, I just think back of, of different ways that that the Holy Spirit has done that for me when I haven't known how to pray, when he's just all of a sudden brought a verse to my mind, or maybe I'm in the middle of praying and all of a sudden he brings a person into my mind that I need to pray for, or um, he convicts me about something. And then those, those times when I have just been so distraught that I just didn't even know how to pray mm-hmm. and to have the assurance that the Holy Spirit understands that and he takes my very groanings and he he takes those to the Father, and he interprets those to him, and he he is my uh, my intercessor almost. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's just great 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 comfort there. And um, I, I I just think back on this one particular instance when the Holy Spirit dropped something into my mind. I had been out watering flowers in the backyard, and the Lord just dropped this woman's name into my heart that I had not seen in a couple of weeks. And so right then and there, I just stopped and I went in and I texted her and I got a text back from her daughter and she was the the lady that I had thought of was on hospice care and they didn't expect her to live much longer. And I was able to go that afternoon and see her and she died hours after I left their house. Mm. And so just the importance and that that's not to pat myself on the back, but it illustrates the importance of, hey, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he drops those things into your heart and into your mind and um, and act on those things because he's doing that for a reason. That's not random. It's not just a random thought especially like we said if you're in constant communication with the lord and that open text message thread with the lord you're on the phone with him so Mm -hmm. to speak all day long and you never hang up when those kind of things are dropped into your spirit you you act on those things you don't ignore those things right and and then and petition involves you know us asking the lord to intercede for other people to ask him to intercede for us different prayer requests that we may have Right. We can pray about anything because uh, God cares. Somebody said, well, should we pray about little things? 
And the answer is, well, what in your life would be big to God? (laughs) Everything is a little thing to God. So we pray about everything. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we lift up our, if it's important to us, then we can bring that before the Lord and he listens. Well, we're going to the phone lines, 888-589-8840. And we have Jay on the line from Texas. Jay, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Well, I, I I called because I wanted to know. I, I didn't hear anything in your uh, uh, time leading up to this uh, about the Holy Spirit helping us pray, and, and uh, Debbie just uh, kind of went over everything again. <laughs> I, I thought maybe uh, you know that that, that uh, I you know it hadn't been brought up, so I would bring it up. I, I didn't really understand uh, how the. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. I know He knows the mind and the heart of God, and God knows His mind and heart, and, and they, He knows ours. And I didn't know whether, you know, does He does He pray for us when we when we're not even praying? Does He uh, uh, does He audit our prayers so that uh, uh, the Father uh, actually uh, uh, hears what uh, we want Him to hear? Uh, what's in His will? I mean, I I guess. Those are still kind of little questions about it, how sure. it might help. Yeah, good good questions, Jay, and thanks for calling in about that. Yeah, so this is what the Scripture says. And in the same way, this is Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so, uh, yeah, I think, as Debbie said, I think the Holy Spirit uh, impresses upon our hearts things that we, we need to pray for. I think he interprets our groanings when we're hurting and we just don't know what to pray to the Lord. Uh, I think he interprets those, those groans that we have in prayer to the Lord and, uh, and shares our heart with, uh, with the Father. And so um, I think both of those things are incorporated in that. Right. And I, I think it all boils down to just the attitude of our own hearts as well. Um, <clears throat> because it, it, when it, when he talks about praying in the spirit, that isn't some mystical thing that only a few people have ability to do, but it means that we, we pray in submission to the spirit and submission to God's will as the spirit leads us to pray um, and, and being obedient to the things that the spirit tells us to do. And I know uh, just in, the, in my prayer life, praying over my kids, there have been times when I've been praying in one direction and as the more I pray about it, the spirit would just drop something into me to say, okay, yeah, but, but here's what's really going on in their hearts, this. And I, the spirit never leads you wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's always right. And so I, I can, I can think back on times where it's like, okay, the next conversation I had with that particular child, I was like, okay, I, I felt like the Lord was telling me X and boy, that just opened up the dam of communication where the waters just started spilling out. And so it, it, it does come that we are just, as we pray in line with God's word and as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide that, we are just more and more in step with the Lord. Yeah, very good. I still remember a time um, when when I was we were thinking about going to another church. Yes. And I, I still remember this. I got up in the morning and I was walking to the to the bathroom, and the Lord just 
just dropped into my heart. You haven't done your homework on this church. You mm-hmm. need to ask more questions. And uh, as it turns out, that was not the place we were to go. And as I began to ask questions, I started uncovering, hey, this is a place that's very dysfunctional, and uh, we're not supposed to to go there, and and we didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, praise God that we didn't go there. Right. We stayed here, and the Lord has blessed that decision. That was probably— Oh, gosh, 10 years ago, probably? 10-plus years ago. So great question, Jay. Thank you for calling in. Well, the number to call is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. As Debbie and I are are talking about the subject of prayer, you know, prayer is one of those things that um, I think when we talk about prayer, when we talk about witnessing— uh, people always think I, my prayer life isn't what it needs to be. My witnessing life isn't what it needs to be. You can feel very discouraged on those topics, but the Lord, he didn't give us those things to discourage us. He gave us those things to encourage us. Prayer is one of those things that should encourage us because uh, men ought always to pray and not to faint. We don't give up. We keep praying. And uh, you remember those three little words, ask, seek, and knock. And so as we ask and keep asking, as we seek and keep seeking, as we knock and keep knocking, as it says in in, uh, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, then uh, the Lord answers. And uh, we, we can just know that God is the God who answers prayer. He just doesn't necessarily answer in our time. He answers in his time. You know, I was thinking, Jeff, when you were talking about that, in terms of just being persistent in our prayer, if you think about like a two-year-old, a three-year-old that that just wants something from you, how tenacious they are, how persistent they are yes. in asking you, um, they just don't give up. They, you know, it, it, it takes a long time for them to just say, okay, mom, I, it's fine, you know, and so that, that, reminds me of like the the childlikeness of our faith and our prayers because God wants us to be like that. He wants us to be persistent in our prayers the, and asking him for the things. Lord the Lord values persistence yes. and uh, it, oftentimes the Lord will uh, purposely delay because he wants to see how persistent are you. I shared uh, Wednesday night about the Syrophoenician woman who came and, and prayed to the Lord, Lord, heal my daughter. She's cruelly demon-possessed. And the Lord, at first, he didn't even say anything to her, and then she kept calling out after him. And he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that was a barrier. Not not speaking to her as a barrier. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Barrier, okay, go away. Uh, then she said, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, uh, which would be, okay, well, why did I ever call on you for help? You don't want to help me. You called me a dog. But she didn't do that. She just kept pressing in, and she said, but, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, woman, your faith is great. And uh, he did what she had requested of him. He wanted to do that all along. He was just testing her. How much do you want me? And how much do you want to see me work in your life? And as Jacob, as he wrestled with the Lord, Genesis 32, he wouldn't let go. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And we need to have that attitude in prayer. I'm not going to let go, uh, God, until you answer this prayer. Well, we have Sandra on the line from, where is Sandra? From the United States. Well, 
Carolina. North Carolina. I'm sorry. I need my glasses. Sandra, <laughs> Sandra, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, go ahead. My, my question is, my question is, uh, what is a Orthodox uh, Christian? What is an Orthodox Christian? All right, very good. Uh, an Orthodox Christian is going to be uh, somebody who believes rightly regarding uh, who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. He is the second person of the Trinity. Uh, he is uh, God's only Son and man's only Savior. Uh, an Orthodox Christian is somebody that knows that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Works have nothing to do with a person's salvation. Works have everything to do with a person's service. Uh, we're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. Um, to know that the, the Bible is the Word of God. It doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. An Orthodox Christian uh, believes that Jesus died, physically died on the cross, shed his blood, and uh, was buried in, for three days. He rose again on the third day, bodily rose, came up out of the grave on the third day, um, that he appeared to, uh, to the disciples. He appeared to more than 500 at one time, um, that he ascended to heaven, that he sent his, his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. And uh, the moment, as this side of the cross, this side of Pentecost, the moment we repent and believe, we're sealed with, him, with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. So that's what makes for an Orthodox Christian, is right Christology and a true understanding of grace and faith and works. So I hope that is helpful to you, Sandra. Is that uh, is yes, that helpful? Uh, uh, I know they use um, like the the rose like uh, like Catholic. Do you think they more about ritual than relationship or not? Well, I think it's hard to say just in a blanket. But uh, I grew up Catholic, and uh, for me, uh, yes, it was all about religion. It was all about ritual. It wasn't much about relationship. I never heard about what it meant meant to be born again. That wasn't discussed. I think uh, Catholicism tends to be rooted in a works-based salvation. I think they have a formula for salvation that says uh, Jesus died on the cross and you have to work, and uh, if you work enough, that, that will yield salvation. But the, the formula for salvation in the Bible is uh, God's grace plus your faith in God's grace plus nothing else equals salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 make that clear. Uh, for it is by grace uh, that you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of works lest anyone should boast and so that's how a person is saved and I appreciate the call Sandra God bless you I'm sorry uh, Donna and Scott we didn't get to you but uh, call in tomorrow and we'll visit thank you so much for listening to Real Truth for today any of the programs that you want to hear that you missed or you want to share with somebody else you can go to AFR.net real truth for today and uh, you can listen again and share that with other people and that's true for any of the other uh, great programs on american family radio debbie thanks for being my guest today thank you jeffrey and uh go out shine for christ and share what great things the lord has done 
in your life and for you and through you, and God will use you as his witness. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.